right, welcome to Calling the Audible. It's your boy Iggy Magnets here. Uh, we are entering week, what is it, uh, week seven, week eight. I'm losing track. I believe it's week eight of the FPF winter season. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, on today's show, uh, we're going to have a special guest for Division 6 coming up in a few moments here as uh, we'll just go through our introduction. Uh, we will have a special guest, so be stay tuned uh, to see who that special guest is covering uh, Division 6 with us today. Uh, and then we had a bit of a, a bit of a hiccup, let's say, with a, with a lot of our guests. Uh, as you can see, there's some uh, sunlight over my it's, this is my right shoulder. Uh, so you'll, you'll see as the, uh, the evening goes along uh, that uh, we're recording a little earlier today. Uh, so a lot of our guests were not able to join us. Uh, so we will have uh, Mr. Mo Khan, of course, the trusty and reliable. Although, you know, wanted to catch his Jersey Shore. So uh, I'm not sure how reliable uh, he is exactly. Uh, but he will be joining us uh, covering uh, the rest of the divisions. That means... Uh, tonight we got division one on tap where we got to cover the women's or we get to cover the women's division uh, we'll cover fi division 5a 5b as well as uh i think that's it uh, 35 plus as well uh is on the docket so uh definitely uh a lot of things to cover here today on today's show uh but first just a little bit of a introduction here uh some of the things that are happening in FPF, uh, which include the playoff schedule, which is now officially released. Uh, so definitely you're going to want to take a look uh, at Nightingale as if you can uh, just share my screen here. Uh, we're going to take a look at the, uh, the playoff schedule that has been released. Uh, so if you're definitely going to want to pencil these, uh, these dates in to your calendar, as Mo was saying on the on the uh, I don't know what to call it now Tuesday Wednesday edition of the show um, that some of the dates might be scheduled uh, to a change so definitely you're gonna want to keep an eye out if ever uh, the division uh, playoff schedule is changed you will be notified uh, so definitely won't be caught off guard um, so. We do have the playoff divisions by dates. So if you happen to play in Division 3, for example, you know that you're playing on uh, April 14th, the 17th, the 22nd, the 28th, and the finals on May 5th. Uh, if you play in Coed uh, 2, you know that you're playing on April 14th, the 17th, the 28th, and the 5th. Uh, so uh, the dates are out. The locations are out also by day. So again, we, uh, you know, I mentioned uh, Sunday, April 14th. That will be played in the Laval Dome. If you happen to play on Wednesday, April 17th, you're playing in the Laval, either the Laval Dome or uh, Marie Victorin. So you will notice Marie Vic uh, back on the docket there once April comes around uh, and we lose a couple of the domes. So you'll notice that the, the Loyola Stinger Dome, for example, is not up here as a playoff location. Uh, we then go on to how many teams qualify for each division, uh, uh, which whatever, we already knew that. And uh, the finals dates, the the dates, not only the dates, but the times are also known. So if you play in Division One, you know you're playing May 5th at approximately 3.20 in the afternoon. 
Uh, so definitely take a uh, take a look at the playoff schedule uh, and book that in your in your calendar. Uh, in order to play, of course, in the playoffs, you need to be have enough games under your profile to be eligible to play in the playoffs. So that playoff eligibility number is five, five games played uh, during the regular season in order for you to uh, to play and be eligible in the playoffs. Of course, one of the ways or the way you get a game played during the regular season, of course, is by wearing a jersey that is the same color as your team. Uh, and wearing a legitimate proper number. So that uh, falls in line with the uniform protocol. I'm not sure more how, how many more weeks we're going to be uh, mentioning it here on the show, uh, but definitely uh, wearing a proper number and a proper ger- uh, a jersey color, as long as it's within the same shade as your team. So it could, if your team is blue, fine. We give the extension of light blue, navy blue, uh, baby blue, whatever you want. Blue is blue. Um, so you definitely need those two things in order to register your game played and your stats, of course, for the night. And then, uh, you know, one thing we haven't mentioned, and uh, I want to bring it up way in advance so that uh, so that our viewers at least know and can uh, pass the message along, uh, especially for the newer divisions uh, or teams in the newer divisions um, or teams that it's your first season in FPF. Uh, And that is that if you forfeit a game during the last week of the regular season, you actually do automatically forfeit your playoff spot. In addition to, of course, uh, there is a fine for uh, forfeiting a game um, because forfeits suck. Uh, Let's be honest. We all pay to play. Um, That fine depends on uh, how much of a notice and advance that you give the league. Um, But definitely, if you forfeit, and this is important again, and I'm bringing it up now, that if you forfeit your last game of the regular season, uh, you automatically forfeit your playoff spot. So definitely not something uh, that you want to do. Look, if ever you're in trouble of finding, uh, you know, half your team's missing, literally any anyone depending on you know their rating can just play on your team, uh, and 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 uh, and you know make sure that the game continues uh, and and is played because definitely, like I said, the last thing you want is having gone through uh, 15 weeks of the FPF regular season only to forfeit your final uh, game of the season and forfeit your playoff spot. So definitely uh, not something uh, that we uh, that you want. Uh, so just giving a big, big warning in advance. Uh, we're definitely going to bring that up again. Uh, and I'm sure emails will be sent out to all captains. But of course, uh, captains then have to relay that message over to uh, to all their players. Uh, Nightingale, how are we doing for our first surprise guest of the night? All right, so it looks like we have a uh, two-minute warning for our uh, for our guest. Uh, but just to go through uh, uh, Division Six, so we're going to be starting the show here, covering Division Six with our mystery guest here. Uh, so some of the topics I'm going to be talking about with our uh, surprise guest, um, we're going to get their thoughts 
on uh, on teams that have impressed so far in Division Six. Of course, Division Six, uh, n- known of course for being teams that are either brand new uh, and only a few returning teams. Right, uh, the, the 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 point of FPF in general is for hopefully teams to grow. Uh, and not necessarily camp in certain divisions. Um, so, uh, so if there are any returning teams in Division Six, they don't usually stay there for long. Uh, so, definitely one of the uh, one of the things we want to ask our uh, our guest here is going to be whether any teams have surprised or uh, have have shown glimpses of uh, of being able to jump up. Uh, certain divisions into perhaps division D uh, or tier three into the into the uh, the fall cup. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about the free agent team, uh, which I believe they're undefeated. Uh, I think sitting at five and zero, we're gonna get the, the our guests' uh, opinion about free agent squad and why they're off to such a good start this season. Uh, we're gonna take a look at uh, the QB of the year race. Uh, And we're going to, again, see with our surprise guest uh, if they have a uh, mid-season QB of the year award winner and if they believe that that person is going to be the QB of the year winner by the end of the season or if if there are are any dark horse uh, candidates out there to win quarterback of the year. Uh, And then, of course, We'll wrap up Division Six uh, by you know we we, we looked at where we will have looked at the uh, the best of the best uh, quarter you know uh, quarterbacks that are in for uh, that award conversation. But then we're gonna look at some of the struggling quarterbacks and uh, perhaps have some uh, advice to give out to the the quarterbacks that are struggling in uh, Division Six. Um, so. That's my uh, best two to three minute uh, delay here. Nightingale, we're still uh, waiting our guest. All right. Yeah, so, well, I already did that. But, uh, you know, it, I, you know, I've caught and watched the, the episodes where, uh, where I'm not on. And, of course, Mo is hosting the show. And uh, it's always funny because it really looks like, I mean, of course, it's going to look like that because it, that's what, it comes across to the audience I, like most talking to himself. Uh, so now that I'm kind of have this like meta moment where like, I know it looks like I'm talking to myself, but I can obviously hear the, uh, the nightingale in my ear. Um, we might have to delay division six now that I'm, uh, I'm thinking about this, but then it gets a little complicated uh, because then we are going to be having uh, Mo Khan uh, coming on basically to save the day here. After that, uh, he's going to give his thoughts on some of our questions for uh, the 35 plus division uh, division one, uh, the women's division and division five, a and five B uh, will be uh, in a few minutes here uh, with Mo Khan. But first uh, we want, to I really 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 want to dive into division six with our surprise guest I cannot all right so uh, we're yeah so we're gonna dive in uh, without our guest to start here uh, and on you know I'll give my teams uh, that have surprised so far so uh, if we take a look at the division six standings here um, I think you know, 
I think last week, uh, they're not necessarily my team that I've surprised so far, but uh, last week, Mo Khan uh, was, was perplexed and wondering why or how exactly Cheat Squad is, uh, is sitting at 4-1. Uh, to me, not a team necessarily that, uh, that I'm surprised is uh, sitting at 4-1. Uh, so definitely it's not them. Uh, a team that would have to surprise me or in, in general has impressed me so far this season. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna necessarily say that they've impressed me all season. But no fly zone. No fly zone is a team that you know they struggled last year. They are a returning team from winter uh, 2023. They're now sitting at three and two. It's a team that I've definitely seen progress from, especially from Adam Weichi at the quarterback position. Uh, so that's definitely uh, a team that I've I've seen uh, improvement on. And from, especially on the offensive side of the ball. On defense, uh, the team and many Division Six teams are usually okay uh, when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. Because the offense takes a second for teams to figure out. Um, instead, uh, it, it's their offense that I've seen that improvement from in terms of uh, no-fly zone. As I, <laughs> as I can kind of see, I don't see our surprise guest. I see uh, our, our guest thereafter lined up, and uh, he's uh, with his... He has an interesting wardrobe choice, Mokan Mo does. Uh, so maybe he has 10 minutes to think about this, but that's fine. Um, but definitely, though, it's uh, one of the teams that has uh, impressed in terms of uh, development, is is definitely no fly zone. Like I said, Adam Weichi, uh was definitely going for the long bomb early on, and a little too often uh, for my liking for the offense to be effective. He's quickly noticed himself, I think, that hitting a three yard out or a slant in uh, and and letting your receivers do the work is an effective way of moving the ball in FPF, uh, especially in Division Six. And, uh, and it's definitely led to some wins. And especially using your snapper. Uh, this team has one of, the, uh, one of the better snappers that I've seen in the division. Uh, a very large and reliable target, I believe, in Ali Alvi. Uh, he, so he's definitely been uh, one of the key contributors on the offensive side of the ball for no-fly zone. Um, and uh, let's see. We'll, we'll uh, see if I have a second uh team that has impressed so far uh, i haven't seen too too many division six games of course i uh, i have seen some uh division six games uh, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna go with another one here where it's the same idea as no fly zone where i'm seeing a offense uh that in the past they're not necessarily a returning team from the winter uh but jurassic park rangers sitting at three and one with 112 points scored in four games, is a very decent output uh, for an uh, a, a, let's call them an, a new offense starting out. Uh, Cam Chapu taking a, a few reps under under center uh, in a you know in last seasons and uh, in the past year, he's taken a few snaps here and there as a, as a backup quarterback, let's say, or as an emergency quarterback. Um, but Cam Chapu, 18 touchdowns in four games. I like eight touched uh, eight interceptions in four games. It's a little high for my liking, uh, but maybe I have a high standard for quarterbacks uh, because that is two interceptions per game. But you can get you, you know, I have to always remind myself you can get away with that in Division Six where defenses on 
on average are getting two to three interceptions per game. Um, so, you know, moving the ball, uh, spreading the offense out is something that for me is, is essential and, and usually leads to a better success rate in the long run. And that's exactly what uh, Chaput is doing here with uh, Remy Pade, uh, Alex Solipsky, uh, Deshaun Collins, all getting, and even Philippe Nicola getting, you know, 15 to 20 targets uh, so far this season. The, the ball distribution is there. The touchdown distribution is there. Uh, you know, a few receivers with, uh, with 100 yards already uh, and, and Deshaun Collins just sitting at 90, right? So uh, definitely two teams that, uh, that uh, have impressed me so far. I do see our surprise guest has arrived and then quickly uh, shot out of a cannon. Uh, uh, but here, here we go, our Division Six surprise guest. Ladies and gentlemen, I introduce to you Pease Delores. from Rigi. I have to contribute to the bad audio and video quality of the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can already see a few things that my producer would uh, would be yelling at in my ear, but of course, only I would be hearing these things. Uh, Peace, Delores. Uh, hey, who the going? hell are you and what are you doing on the show? I'm just a dude, you know, like living day after day. Um, recently living uh, with my newly born baby. I've been on uh, paternity from work. Uh, Atlanta, Georgia. I um, I also uh, played FPF for a really, really long time. I normally play quarterback, took a couple of seasons off to help my wife out, of course, and then uh, sort of bring our new child into the world. Uh, but I am snapping this season, which I haven't done in a very, very, very long time. And I'm here uh, hoping that it'll work out. I'm trying to convince an infant that I know what I'm doing, so I'm also trying to convince Div 16 I know how to snap. <laughs> <laughs> it's one and the same almost yeah right? it's all the same exactly <laughs> um so how you been bro i went through i, I I'm, I'm doing awesome uh you know we're running a little behind the clock here i'm so, sorry uh, dude no, no no that's that's okay i i figured i was able to uh to give the teams that have impressed me so far okay. in my uh limited viewing of uh scorekeeping some division six teams out there um but of course, Pease, like you said, uh, you're snapping like what you haven't done in a long time. Uh, you're snapping for the free agent squad uh, off to a very surprising start. We, we always say with this free agent uh, franchises that, you know, it's, uh, it's hit or miss. Uh, and definitely uh, this year, this go around, you guys are hitting on all cylinders, uh, sitting at uh, 4-0 and right now undefeated so what has this free agent squad piece off to such a good start what are the odds of going 10 and 0 and does the team have a better offense or defense what is leading the way more so a few things out there we'll just start with uh in general your thoughts why are is the team off to such a good start Jesus, Iggy, that's like the most multi-part question of all time there's like back, eight, I'm bringing it back. 18, 18 sections of that question. Uh, yeah, it's um, so, you know, I saw a post on, on uh, Facebook, saw the schedule, discussed with my wife and said, sure, I'll join just like everyone else on that team. It's not a team that's built. In fact, when we showed up, just sort of like the physicality of our guys and, and um, a couple of guys like myself and Eagle who've played before and Tyler and um, 
you know, one of the the refs was like, okay, but why is this team in Division Six? I'm like, well, first of all, like I'm I'm snapping, I'm not playing quarterback. Second of all, like we just met each other, like we don't know, like we did, like it's not like this was a team that was built, right? So like you never know what you're gonna get. Um, my thing, first of all, if I can start uh, at a place that's sort of less exciting, is uh, that. I was just surprised how well we all get along considering none of us know each other. The group chat's really active and like, it's, it's a fun, it's a fun group to be around, you know, but if you want to talk about some of the football stuff, um, I, I think, first of all, I, you know, part of what's made us so great is that we're such an overrated team as per Brent Botkin and the overratedness is really what, what puts us at the top of the division. It's not actually our ability. It's, it's definitely the overratedness. Like, I understand, like, weak schedules happen, and lots of teams win 56 nothing on weak schedules. So I, I, I would point out that having this. Um, but that's just a little bit of shade for Brent, who appears on the show regularly. Um, honestly, and I'll talk about him a little bit in a, in a future question, but Tyler is really, really good. Tyler Stewart is a really good quarterback. Um, he's got a unique style. Um, he still has some learning to do, which he'll admit to, but his growth from like week one to, 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 you know, last couple of weeks, I haven't even been around, but just sort of hearing how the games have went. Um, but what's impressed me from day one is his leadership in the huddle. He's really concise at getting the information out. He's really good at explaining routes to the guys who don't understand them. Um, and he's really good at, um, sort of understanding the mental component of the game and, and how to live for four downs and play, playing a little bit. Uh, like a higher division player because he has played higher division. So he understands sort of FPF. While he hasn't necessarily thrown a ton, he understands sort of the world of FPF and the way the game works. And we'll talk a little bit about four down football when we get to later question as well. But um, just to keep the audience abreast of, you know, some of the things we might cut short on now that might be interesting, we will get back to it uh, at some point later. Uh, quickly, Pease, what are the odds of the team going 10-0? I've been on uh, a 10-0 team in the past. Um, and one thing I'll say is it doesn't ultimately matter. Um, ideally, you know, is there a buy in this division? I, I've been away three weeks. You have to, you have to excuse me a little bit. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as into it as I usually am. Uh, don't worry about that piece. We're, we'll, we'll get that straightened out. <laughs> we don't know. Okay. Well, if there's a buy, obviously the, the more wins you finish with the better, but like I've been in a 10 and 0 team that lost in the first round. Um, it sucks. And so, um, honestly, the key is you get your six or seven wins, but you improve each week. And like uh, you, you asked a little bit earlier, like what you thought about, um, what you thought about, um, what, what I thought about, sorry, but the defense or the, the offense, and what was the better side of the ball right now, the defense has been exceptional and the offense is really good, but it's not even fully crisp yet. Like last week was the first game that the spacing and the timing was all great. And so like, that's the thing where it's like, you want to see that as a team that's four and is there's room for improvement. So you can play beyond what you've already shown. Um, and then the, the next thing is like, uh, with regards to whether or not this can be a 10-0 team, given the other 10-0 team I played on, which was in a, a higher division, I don't know, this seems like that kind of team in terms of just raw talent. In terms of raw talent, absolutely, the, the answer to your question is yes. Uh, but it is hard to do, so we'll see. So, you, you know, you talked about Tyler Stewart uh, living up to... Uh to his quarterback it's in quarterbacks always tough right so he's definitely uh proving himself uh in in the positive ways here for quarterbacks uh let's take a look at some of the other quarterbacks you know does does tyler stewart even uh come close to quarterback of the year discussion yes. uh 
Uh, Absolutely. Who, who, el- who else is in that conversation? And who would be your mid-season quarterback of the year at this point right now? Tyler's up there. Um, I, I guess I won't choose him just for sake of mentioning some other dudes. We talked about him a little bit. What I will say about him is, like, the interceptions have largely come from miscommunications, um, not bad throws. And that's the right. stuff that will get better for a team like Free Agent Squad. Um, in a way, I'm glad you didn't ask me about some of my top teams because a lot of it was related to the quarterback. Max Gannett, to me, is super impressive. And, and one thing that we can't forget to to, to look at is he has 19 throwing touchdowns, but he's also run for four. So he's right. got the most touchdowns thrown, tied with uh, Matthew Batazzi, um, and he's got a lot less interceptions. He's throwing – he has 16% higher completion percentage, which, as you know, Iggy, you and I talk about a lot in terms of sort of sustainability for, to, to, to play at a high level. I think Batazzi is going to have a great offensive output, but he's going to make a few too many mistakes to, to take home hardware. Um, another name I want to draw attention to, because obviously Manny Bazagius is up there too, uh, Max Gannett, Tyler Stewart. To me, those are the, the top three in the clubhouse. But Viren Patel, like the 16 touchdowns, three interceptions, I love the ratio. I love that he's completing over 60% of his passes. And then on top of that, um, he's a guy who, if he gets on a run and starts to score more frequently, he's going to protect the ball enough to, to, be, to, to get his name out there. So if he has a really strong second half of the season and – you have to consider that he has 181 yards rushing and he has not yet scored a touchdown. So if a couple of those, he falls into the end zone, then we're looking at a guy, 18 touchdowns, three interceptions after six games. You know what I mean? So he he's a bit of a dark horse uh, candidate and he needs to stop taking sacks. It's the biggest part of his game that's hurting him. Um, but if he can overcome that, um, a little like Max Gannett in that way in terms of taking the sacks, I think that uh, we might have a four-horse race to, to end the season. Do you have a clear-cut mid-season quarterback of the year? Yeah, Tyler, he's awesome. I told you. <laughs> um, look, I mean, the thing is, the, like, I want to say Max Gannett just because it's a more interesting conversation. Yeah. Uh, but, like, Tyler has done almost that in four games, two games less than Max Gannett. Right. And, again, the protection of the ball, I think, will improve for Tyler, where, you know, Max Gannett's already doing that well. You know, I, I think those two realistically are, are absolutely, absolutely at the top. Uh, of the list it's it, it's going to be an interesting race like i said i think i skipped to four people really competing for it okay uh so you know we looked at, uh, at the top ranking quarterbacks here uh if we slide all the way down to the bottom uh give me a name would be who sucks what what would be uh some of the advice of course you and i as quarterbacks here uh yeah. what advice would you give out to some of the struggling quarterbacks in uh division six I've heard you say this on the show because now I'm actually participating as a fan and not a media member. Also for Division Six, I'm one of the older media members on the on the team. You might not know me yet, but you'll know me in future seasons for sure, as I'm not going anywhere. Uh, but honestly, um, one of the things I've heard you say is strip down the playbook, find plays that work, find people who know plays that work who can explain them to you. There's myself. There's Iggy. We spend most of our days talking to, whenever we talk to each other, and we're good friends, most of the time we're talking about FPF, most of the time we're talking about flag and concepts. Um, I do that with higher division quarterbacks, quarterbacks who I'm competing against. It's a, it's a great community. Reach out, find out what works, we'll help you. I promise I take a lot of time to teach quarterbacks, and it's helped a lot of people. Iggy's done the same thing. Um, and that's the, the, the first bit of that. Like, like I said, you've covered that a little bit. One of the things I want to talk about, Iggy, is 
understanding how to explain your plays to, to, your, to your team. Understand the spacing. When a play goes wrong, don't just, you know, get angry and, and get frustrated. Explain why that slant needs to be at three yards. Under, explain what, when a guy runs a hook, you want him to turn on spot and not break inside or outside. You know what I mean? Or, or a guy runs a fade, he needs to stay towards the sideline. These are just small things that, like, as a quarterback, you need to communicate what you needed from that route for the next time so that you can improve. And then on top of that, we said it, it's a four-down game. There's, there's the only reason to punt on in, in an FPF field is for strategic reasons to run out of play or um, if you lose, you know, a yard uh, and you don't gain a single yard after receiving it after a touchdown. So, like, from your starting point, uh, if you lose a yard, but even then, you're, you're only punting. Are you punting to midfield at that point? Nigga? Midfield, right? yes. You're still midfield, yeah. So, like, so like you, 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 you can tell how often I punt. I, I've gone for it on um, – fourth and 20 it doesn't matter because like the the first best thing that can happen to you is a touchdown the second best thing that can happen to you is is a stop and then the third best thing is the other team scores quickly so you're almost better off giving them better field position and giving yourself an extra possession understand the length of the game understand it's a four down game understand there's a little more volatility than you see in, in tackle football um and practice your converts uh, the, all, all those things are going to be key so strip down your plays it's a four down game understand the scope of the game the situation that you're in and um yeah and, and call plays call plays that work and describe them well yeah uh, I think oh and ask for help on... ask for help yes yeah, yeah you, you said that uh peace uh it was awesome talking to you uh thanks for sharing uh your knowledge here to the uh the rest of the uh, fpf community as you've done so in in past seasons uh we hope uh, everything's going well with you and the and the child uh and the best I, dude Yes, you, you're. I know it's the most obvious thing in the world, but it's an absolute blessing. And, and wait for it, man. Do we miss <laughs> these? <laughs> the the one thing I, I will say is I'm I'm sorry I spoke a little quickly. The the questions, of course, are pretty broad. But on top of that, while while in it's a, it's, a, it's a quick anecdote, I promise. While in uh, Georgia, I hurt my hand from what the doctor called overuse. Yes, make your jokes, but it's from <laughs> carrying a squirming child after not being able to take paternity for, for months uh, when, he, when he was born. Um, so he was just sort of, I guess ma I made a movement I wasn't supposed to, hurt my hand. So doctor gave me, gave me steroids to heal, which um, have affected me in a couple of ways. One is that I can't stop talking and the other one is I can't sleep. So you're dealing with an insomniac <laughs> um, blabbermouthing piece today. Uh, so I want to thank the audience for putting up with me. The he headline reads, peas on steroids. Yeah, that's it. That was like, I, I, want, I want, look, if we go 10 no, I want a controversy, baby. Peas on steroids. Peas on steroids. <laughs> I love it. All right, peas. Thanks. Thanks for joining. Good going, boys. Ali Reza, we'll talk soon, okay? Later, guys. All right. All right. Thanks, Peas. Have a good night. Bye. All right. We were uh, blessed with the uh, the contributions of uh, Peas, our surprise guest, uh, Peas Delores. Of course, Peas, uh, I'll, I'll just say ex-media member, just, you know, taking a sabbatical, uh, better said. Uh, he'll be back, of course. Uh, definitely, as he said here, he's uh, you can never get rid of the Peasler, uh, that is Peas Delores. Um, but we do have uh, other divisions, of course, to, to continue and carry on here. And like I said, saving the boat. And uh, is Mo Khan already lined up for us with the, the greatest fashion statement of, of uh, 2024? Hello, Mo Khan. No, you, uh, you're, you're on the mute. 
You're on the mute button, so saving the boat but doing so silently. No, it's still definitely it's just like the Jeff Rosenblatt segment <laughs> of a couple of weeks ago. Uh, oh, it sounds like we may have Mo Khan here. <laughs> now he can't hear you. <laughs> um, so with covering, uh, uh, we're gonna be we're gonna be with Mo Khan here in just a second as we get the technical difficulties lined up. Uh, but we're gonna be now jumping over to the thirty-five plus division, uh, where we're gonna be covering the KTFL, both the KTFL and the Legends division. Uh, I'm not sure if Mo is frozen or he's uh, just so silent and so. Uh, concentrated on the screen. Uh, I, it definitely looks like that's a frozen Mocon. Ali Reza, are we good with Mo? No? Uh, okay, at least he's moving now. Okay. <laughs> at least at least uh, he's he's moving now. Uh, I was a little worried for Mo. Maybe, you know, he was stung by something that, that paralyzed him. Uh, but no, everything's okay with Mo. He's perhaps shutting off his phone and restarting. Um, so, yeah, like I said, we're going to be covering uh, the KTFL and the Legends division. Uh, uh, and especially starting with the KTFL here. Um as uh, Ali Reza, you might want to check uh, your phone. Mo is texting here. Um, uh, so we're going to be looking at the two of the best teams that faced off in week seven uh, in Brody Windsor versus JMJ. Uh, so far, they've split the season series. But I have a compelling question here from Mo Khan as soon as he comes on. Um, we're going to be looking at that Brody Windsor JMJ matchup. Uh, and see who's going to win that deadlock uh, season series uh, right now tied at one apiece. Uh, and whether there's a dark horse player of the year uh, that can get in the mix right now, uh, you have two leading candidates. Uh, and in fact, both uh, those players, Dominic Tazi and Corey Sim Robertson, are candidates for two-way player of the year as well. Uh, so we want to know if there's a maybe a dark horse for defensive player of the year. Uh, and then we'll move along to the Legends division. Uh, so Mo, Mo has made a, a change in his fashion statement. He's made a change in his location. Uh, Ali Reza, do we officially have Mo Khan on there? Nope, Mokan is still in the silence, in the waiting in the wings. Uh, so, so definitely, we're gonna. Uh, that's the KTFL division. We have some compelling questions there, and then we'll uh, we'll get Mo's opinion on the Legends division. Uh, right now, the pacemakers sitting atop the division. Uh, we're gonna see if anyone can stand in their way right now. Uh, they are uh, an offensive juggernaut, so to speak. Uh, over all the other teams. So we're wondering if anyone can slow down uh, and uh, change pace, I guess, if uh, if that's one way you want to put it. Uh, and then we'll break down a, uh, a week eight matchup, uh, Bearskins versus Greyhawks, uh, a battle for second place in the division. So we're going to preview that matchup, uh, see what Mo thinks, who has the upper hand, uh, how critical of a game that is for both teams. As again, I mentioned that pacemakers looks like they're running it away with the division right now. So that second seed uh, is up for grabs. So let's see who wants it more, who's going to uh, 
uh, ultimately win it. Uh, is this perhaps a defining moment in the season for Bearskins or Greyhawks? Uh, or are there more important uh, games down the line? So all, all that 35-plus uh, coverage uh, we're going to get with uh, MoCon. As uh, Ali Reza, it looks like we have Mo back, but... But yes, we're gonna need uh, we're gonna need some more time. So after 35 plus, uh, we're gonna uh, jump into the uh, the division one, uh, division one with Mo. Uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about party crashers uh, and how how surprised that we are after their uh, their record after six games. Uh, we're gonna look at KGP uh, continuing. Uh, to give the Braves any fits, right? This is a team in KGP uh, that really gives the Braves trouble. So we're going to see if that trend continues uh, in Division 1. Uh, we're going to, you know, there's something I noticed in Division 1, and we're going to get Mo's opinion on that. Uh, so we have a kind of a surprise question, uh, something that's intriguing in my eyes. Uh, and then we're going to uh, get Mo's opinion on the final playoff seed uh, that's going to come down and, and what's it going to come down to for that final playoff seed. Uh, I think it's a certain matchup that I have in mind, but we're going to see if MoCon agrees with that or not. As my God, I cannot buy and sell more tonight. Yes, well... There's so much uh, I can go ahead with. So we're, we will go ahead with 35 plus, just like we did with Division 6. Um, so uh, 35 plus KTFL division. Uh, in both meetings, uh, Brody Windsor, like I said, allowed 46 points against JMJ. But yet they've split the series, uh, season series, one apiece. So... I'm wondering here whether Brody Windsor has to once again score 47 points to win their next outing against JMJ, which happens on March 18th. And it's interesting because the defense has <laughs> has been porous against JMJ, and rightfully so. Ryan Kastner has been one of the best, the best quarterback in the division uh, so far this year. And... Uh, and has been scoring at will and putting up 46 points uh, in both games against Brody Windsor is is impressive. Uh, I noticed last game, though, that Brody Windsor's quarterback, uh, both they had a quarterback and Kenton Lowe at receiver uh, and Dylan Taylor throwing for them at quarterback. So neither Vinny Galano uh, nor Sean Avram at uh uh, under center, taking snaps for them and throwing uh, throwing the ball. So I wonder if Brody Windsor uh, is going to be able to put up 47. And if they're going to have to put up 47, and I think they will. Because like I said, Ryan Castor having an exceptional season so far in 35-plus. He's been uh, scoring at will. So I definitely think uh, that they are going to give up another 46 spot on them. Uh, and whichever quarterback it is, and that's that's going to be the key, right? Because you got Dylan Taylor last game throwing seven touchdowns. Uh, in their previous game, you had Vinny Galano throwing five TDs but two interceptions. Now, that was earlier in the season. So maybe that chemistry's been building. Uh, you know, now that we're uh, in week seven, entering week eight, um, and, and that March 18th matchup is going to be somewhere along the week 10 line. So... 
Uh, I'm more confident that Brody Winter is going to be able to put up 47. I'm not sure they will, but I'm more confident than of them being able to do it on March 18th than they were uh, than doing so earlier in their season. Uh, and I think that's true whether it's Vinny uh, Golano or Sean Abram at, at, at uh, throwing the football. Uh, so definitely a, an interesting uh, matchup that uh, that might determine the number one seed with JMJ sitting at five and one and Brody Windsor sitting at four one and one. Mokon, I finally hear the man, uh, the myth, the legend, the smooth, silky voice of uh, of Mokon. And he left and he left the room. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, so we'll move on uh, from that matchup, as I think it's going to be one of the uh, interesting ones for the number one seed. Uh, ultimately, uh, spoiler alert, I think JMJ is going to uh, come down uh, with the number one seed in the 35-plus KTFL division. Uh, but now we'll move along to the defensive player of the years. Uh, as I do see Mo lined up here, Mo, I did hear you just a few seconds ago. Maybe if you can just give me a shout out. Yes, I can hear the man blowing his nose. Uh, Mo Khan, welcome. I can hear anything. The show. And but he cannot hear us. This is uh, fantastic. Uh, as I can finally hear Mo, but he cannot hear us. Um, so we will move on to uh, Defensive Player of the Years in 35-plus uh, KTFL division. Uh, as, as, I was, as I was mentioning, Dominic Tossi. Uh, okay, here we go. Mo Khan, finally the silky smooth voice of Mo Khan, uh, changing the location, changing his earpieces, doing everything possible in order to get on the show. Uh, Mo, welcome to the show, finally. Hello, Iggy. Sorry, I'm trying to get used to this whole. I'm in my office right now, man. It's Sorry, like, it's crazy right now. I bought. I've. I think I've bought 20 minutes worth of time. Uh, Mo, we're gonna jump right into it. Yeah. Oh, before we get to that, before we get to that. Oh boy. Oh boy. Um. So PZ has a steroid issue. Uh. What's the old line? Less is more. Uh huh. That's PZ for you. Less is more. You know, we'll leave it open-ended, ambiguous. We'll, I'll say uh, this, we'll... though. Viren Patel had a terrible game. Okay. Awful game. Okay. There's six. That's why I know you, you did this with Pease. Yes. He had an awful, awful game against uh, Mutation on Wednesday at Hebert. Uh You were scorekeeping that game? I scorekept that game. Okay. All, all ball does not impress me at all. Uh, I, I'm disappointed in these guys. Uh, it was... Oh. We're on 35 plus. I know, I know, but I'm just saying, I wasn't impressed by them. They, they have to come back better. Anyway, on to 35 plus. Here we go. Yeah, 35 plus. Mo, we're already skipping because I already went through the first question on my own. Yeah. For keeping me uh, solo here, uh, the, the, the solo edition of uh, Calling the Audible. Uh, Mo, a dark horse defensive player of the year. Is there anyone in the 35 plus division that can get in the mix? Because right now, you do have Dominic Tossi. You do have Corey Sim Robertson leading the interception board right now. Dominic Tossi taking two of those interceptions to the house. Uh, do you have a dark horse player, maybe a rusher or someone else? No, because I, I think in in 35 plus, when you look at it now, it's sort of you know who the, the leader is going to be for that for that award, right? Tossi said before two pick sixes. 
And, you know, we talk about men who are now like 40 plus years old to have two pick sixes. Uh, that should win the award right strenuous, there. Strenuous, yeah. That's yeah, like, like give him the award now and just save us the, the hassle of holding on to the award for like four years and then give it to him like in 2028, whatever it is. So I think Tossi definitely will have the um, the, the odds on favors to win this award. Um, you look at a guy like Lonnie Johnson, who, who we know very well, who's played quarterback in the adult divisions in years past. He's had a very good season. Uh, Vinny Galano doing it as well with Brody Windsor. Um, there, there are some good guys, but when we talk about the sack artists out here, David Ness, and you know, you know me, uh, eggs fairly well. Um, pass rushers don't get the proper accreditation on the defensive player of the year award, um, that you would give to. Uh, I, I'll challenge you on that. I think Raph Morelli would like a word, yeah, but how many, but you know what, pass rushers blow up plays, right? Like sacks, yeah. PDs. If, if it's, yeah. I know you spoke about it before, I think, I think it was you that said if we had like a uh, uh, analytic stats to find out the quarterback pressures from from right. pass rushers, yep. that would signify the word even more and how well they 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 uh, uh, perform on a on a weekly basis. So, you know, th- there are some pass rushers in this league that have done very well. Uh, we look at David Ness, Alex Theodore, uh, Brian Joseph as well. Um, these guys have all played well, and I and I think that if we're going to really expand this vote, then you have to include pass rushers at some point. I think so as well. Uh, Mo, as we move along to the 35-plus Legends division. Yes. Uh, the top of the standings. Legendary. Uh, yes, this pace, you know, almost at a, a pacemaker level. Uh, the, right now, sitting at 4-1, and one, the pacemakers are. Uh, no one's even close to hitting, a, well, some teams are close to hitting 100 points. They might hit 200 points before some teams hit 100 points. Is anyone stopping this offensive juggernaut in pacemakers. You know, first of all, before we, we get to that, you know, we're doing team photos, right, for the league, and we're starting to get them all loaded up okay. here and stuff. I think we're at 97%. Yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there. Um, take a look at the pacemakers team photo for me, please. I just uh, noticed We're going to bring it up right away. Yeah. yeah. Look yeah. look at Jason Rossi's chest. Like, it's like the size of two humans. Like, he's been doing the 225 bench, for, uh, bench rack over there for, like, 20 reps now, the bench press over there. I He's feel racking. like, I feel like they took Justin Anania as chest and cropped it over uh, Jason Rossi's chest because they yeah. looked very, very similar here. You're right, definitely. But look, the, the, their test will come against the Bearskins coming up Monday Night Football on March 4th in about 10 days from now. Uh, you're talking about a Bearskin team that can put up points themselves, and. I think for where they're at right now with pacemakers, they are in a position where if they were to beat the Bearskins and they'll play them twice in three weeks or they'll play them, I beg your pardon, three weeks in a row, I beg your pardon, mm-hmm, um, yes. in this three-game uh, trilogy that we'll have. I can't wait for this. At three uh, different locations. As yeah, well, that's that's how, you, that's how you sell the product, Iggs. Uh, uh, that's how you sell product, man. Like, you don't play in one location. You sell the brand, man. 35 legends here. Look, if Bearskins can get at least one, two turnovers, so that means interception, four and out, whatever it is, turnover on downs, um, this game could be a lot more competitive. And look, the Bearskins are not any pushovers at all here, Eggs. I mean, you look at their roster, they have some really good uh, talent to work with. Kevin Libman, three INTs. Chris uh, Millard, uh, Millard uh, Millard, or whatever we call him, two INTs. <laughs> yeah. 
Marco Batoli, Vince Nardone, two on like this team, I think, has over 10 INTs this year, one pick six, two pick sixes to be exact. So I don't think it's gonna be easy for them. I I really believe that first one to 28 wins this football game. I think the Bearskins will take one and maybe two from them. Uh, I think that line is closer to 33. Uh, a bit of a strange number to hit, but I think it's closer in the, to the 30s than it is the higher uh, the higher 20s. Um, and then wrapping up here, 35 legends. Uh, if if uh, if pacemakers do clinch the number one seed, which wouldn't be in for a few uh, weeks now, uh, Bearskins versus Greyhawks. Uh, is this a battle for second place in the division? Probably so, uh, because I think for Greyhawks now, they're two and two. Uh, reality is that if they're going to pull run the table now, they I mean, they could go in two if they were to run the table. But I mean, with six games left, I think realistically speaking here, um, they could very well get four wins out of it. And that would put them at six. Uh, you know, they got the Bearskins come up on Feb 25th on Sunday Night Football in Laval. Uh, after that, though, they got Team Ethic Senior, which should be a win for them. Everything Hurts is going to be a tricky one for them. But they, they should get six, I think, uh, in their next uh, six uh, four wins in the next six games here. So they should be six and four, I believe, going towards playoffs. And is that enough for second place? I think it would be close. I think you, if, they, if they get third, that's a hell of a third seed. But I think it will be very close to second seed over here. Uh, and let, let's and slightly turn it this way. If the Greyhawks lose the game against Bearskins, they'll be sitting at two and three with the Bearskins at four and one. Is this as critical of a game as there is, you know, at the midway point in the season for to determine a second seed? If yeah, they lose, uh, are they are they not getting it? Of course, no, no, no. no. If Greyhawks, it's it's a bigger referendum on Greyhawks because. They have to win this game to kind of create a bit of um, gloss with them, Team Ethnic Senior, and Everything Hurts. Because if you lose that game, you open up for Everything Hurts and Team Ethnic Senior to kind of jump them, right? And they will play each other in the coming weeks here. And so you, they, they have to create an insurance policy that will give them that buffer. And if they do that, um, it, it kind of, you know, in a way, opens up the number one spot. Because pacemakers, you know, they're only a game and a half or, two, I mean, officially – a game and a half above uh, Greyhawks, but the Greyhawks run the table. Yeah, they, they can get back to that one and two conversation. But again, it's a bigger game for Greyhawks because if they lose this game, they're back in that three, four, five race for the last two spots. All right, for sure. Definitely uh, agree with you there. Thanks for your 35 plus input, Mo. But we will move to uh, the best of the best here of FPF Division One. Uh, and I look at the standings, Mo, and I see party crashers. PC sitting at one, four, and one, the only team to have played six games. What do we make of their uh, their start to the season? Uh, are you disappointed, surprised? What are your thoughts on Party Crasher so far? I, I think that they are okay. I score kept their game Monday against Blessed, and um, mm -hmm. you know they they could have won that game. They threw a, 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 a INT with three plays left to um, to uh, Craig Browning. And that killed off the game. But, you know, this is the type of team that th they got to score and they'll give up a lot of points. And th there, there's no there's no such thing as them holding teams to less than 20 points. That'll never happen with party crashers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's sort of that, hey, you know, it's like the high cholesterol, right? Like, you know, you, you're on that high cholesterol. You're trying to get off of it, but you can't because you're so 
immune to eating high salty foods. That's what they are. And I think now, Iggs, with four games left in the schedule, look, they got that. They got three points, which is a cushion and have to have. Their biggest game will come up when they get back to um, from their bye week on March 9th against uh, uh, ATH squad, right? That's the biggest game for them on the schedule because if they win that football game, they'll win the playoffs. Because after that, they got Flag Mossack, Jamesons, and Braves. Oh, by the way, these are three of the top five teams in Division One. So I think for them, their referendum will come on March 9th. And if they do win that football game, I think they'll be okay. But you're right, though. The racetrack is starting to run short on them if they were to lose that matchup. And looking at the Braves, their one and two start uh, to the season is uh, slightly worrisome. Uh, you know, the thing with the Braves is, of course, regular season doesn't matter. It just matters. Get into the playoffs and then they'll have their full roster and then they'll they'll make a run to the finals. But one of the teams that usually gives them fits is KGP. Uh, how, and they face off this this coming week. Uh, and not only does KGP face the Braves, they have a, 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 a double header in week eight. So how is KGP going to fare against the Braves? And then how are they going to fare in their second matchup here? Well, I mean, the KGP's played Braves tough in years past, right? Spring season, fall cups, all that stuff. I mean, they've had some good battles in, in, in what they've had between the two teams last year, year and a half. I, I think it'll be tough because, you know, for Braves – you know, I tell I told this to you and Peasy before. They're kind of like the San Antonio Spurs, right? They don't give a crap about regular season basketball, football. I beg your pardon. They want to get to the playoffs, man. They get in the playoffs, they'll be in the final four and, and make it to the final somehow, somewhere. But I think for KGP, I mean, we'll, we'll get a good idea of where they stand because they too they've had a long break themselves because they played essentially three games, uh, Iggs, uh, in the first I would say doing the math, forty eight days of the regular season. And, you know, it's weird because they had back-to-back on the third and fourth. They'll have a, another, like, window of, I guess, not back-to-back, but three in th- two games in three days. And it's against the top two hitters on the offense. Now, Flag Sack is going to be the team, the same thing as as uh, Party Crash, so that they'll give up 50, they'll beat you by 51. And so can could the KGP defense um, scheme up well and minimize those explosive plays that – Flag Sack has. And I think what it might come down to is that will one of these teams use the ejection button on the onside rule to win a possession, uh, to turn the tables around. Because whoever does that and can get that converted for 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 uh, for the next lifeline or to score for points, I think wins that football game because of the onside. And you know what, Flag Sack, they'll use it when you least expect it. And that's what they did against the Brace to win that football game. Yep. And they might do the exact same thing against KGP on the weekend. And then, okay, let's just play a little game. It's in the Laval Dome. The Laval Dome, a little longer than every other field that FPF plays on. Do they convert and hit on that onside? Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay. It's just, Alex Nadeau is, is, is a smart quarterback. Uh, you know, I've, I've, I've known Alex for God knows how long now, 13, 14, 15 years, watching him play tackle and obviously for flag football. And he's a coaching mind too, right? He knows his game inside out. He knows angles and he knows how to work the pressure points of opposing defenses to his advantage. So I think in this situation that we're at now for, for Phil Cutler and for this KGP team, I'm not saying to make or break for them these next two games, but it would go a long way for them if they're able to come up with a win to kind of keep them in that middle of the pack going towards the last half of the schedule. So quickly, do they go 0-2, 1-1, 2-0? I think they go one on one. I think they'll beat one of these teams. I just don't know who. 
Um, I think I think the likelier team to, that they can beat is probably Braves. But again, it's all dependent on who shows up for the Braves for that football game. As always. Uh, Mo, I was curious here. I was looking at the Division One quarterback uh, uh, statistics here. And more than ever, I'm seeing a higher influx of interception thrown. Do you, do you have a, something to explain why that is? Are you throwing in Division One? I'm not. Exactly. So, uh, so you're <laughs> saying I don't throw a lot of <laughs> No, you're right. Uh, I think if you look at it, um, Steve Harapasad, you know, he's moving up the, the ladder. And and I remember when I first saw him play Division One, he was a step behind. And I think he started to get a, a more comfortable in it. Jared Taylor, by nature, I mean, you know, he's not a he's not a true quarterback, but he's a great athlete. Um, you know, uh, you look at Arde Giraud, uh, these are guys that are not traditional quarterbacks like uh, Kevin Wyatt or Chad Byers or Joe Mario or whatever it is. But I just but think that for Wyatt, but even for Wyatt, five interceptions in five games, it's not a name that I'm usually seeing one interception per game. So yeah. is there something to it? No, I just think it's adapting. I think, are they, they getting a hold on his, I mean, he only runs three to five plays. So like, uh, is, is there something that you're noticing? No, I just think the teams are, defenses are good, man. Like uh, they, the screens that score cap, you know, they score a lot of points or defenses are, are breaking the balls. The, the, this is the most we've had for division one teams ever. Uh, I think it's 11, right? We have. Right, 11. I, I just lost track of what, how many teams we have. But this is the most we've had, and this is the, the, the reason that the margin of error gets razor sharp on the field because they're bigger, faster, smarter. These guys know each other uh, for many years now. It's not like you're throwing an exotic look um, that that you've not seen from Joe Mayer or, or Phil Cutler or Kevin Wyatt or Chad Byers. And so teams know, like, hey, it's third and six. They like to run a flood concept. Oh, they're, they're going triple slants, but, hey, the backside slant might do in and out, so play on the outside shade of the, of the receiver so you don't get caught flat-footed. So I just think teams know these plays. And, again, it's the speed of the game, right? Like, if we, we, we have these guys who are, who are like monsters out there, monster trucks out there that just know how to play the game so well that they're familiar with every route concept that's thrown at them, whether it's on the outdoor or indoor services out there. So it sounds like you're uh, saying the offenses are getting a little stale. Maybe it's time for some, uh, some new. No, new I don't think stale. I just think teams are this game better, right? Teams are more mentally no, prepared sure. than before. Oh, for sure. Uh, and then looking at the, uh, that final uh, playoff spot, you, you did mention there's 11 teams, uh, the 11th team, of course, getting eliminated. Uh, will it essentially come down to FFN versus ATH squad for that final playoff spot. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. We we can play it now, and and we'll refund them like the last five games. We'll see them in the playoffs mid-April, like 100. Um, I I think both teams just don't have a quarterback to work with. Uh, they have athletes, right? I mean, it's it's a good athletic team for both sides, but you know, unfortunately for FFN and and, and ATH squad. Uh, they'll play that second to last game on March 23rd at CN Complex. That will tell us who gets in the playoffs here. They just lack that guy that can get uh, that can get them open. And I think it's unfortunate for them because you think about it this way. If Dan Lazar is playing, we don't have uh, uh, an ETH squad. And we have a Dan Lazar team, right? And that just ups the value 
of the competition of play. So because that we don't have a Lazara, the quarterback play goes down by a couple of uh, belt uh, notches here. And it's unfortunate, but that's the reality what it is, right? You have weak teams, and these are the weakest teams in this division who are trying to keep themselves above the dotted line for a playoff spot uh, by the time we hit April. I think it comes down to that game, and I think it comes to the team that's the most organized. Both teams look, uh, especially ATH squad this last this past week, showing up with five guys against All-Stars. The second the game started and it was five guys and it was 6 nothing, the game was over. <laughs> so whoever is perhaps the most organized and disciplined and shows up on time for that 6 o'clock game, because that's that opening slate of games on the on March 23rd at the at Brossard. So whoever's the most organized might come away with the victory. Let's have a sleepover. Stay over. Yeah. Uh, Mo, we'll, uh, we'll jump over to uh, the women's division here. Um, yeah, we got to talk about this Mo? here. Why am I being, why am I being sucked you, in? Mo. Why am I being sucked into this when you are the one talking about women's? I've, I've spoken about women's division once during this new CTA format. You, you, so the way it usually goes as we pull the curtain behind here on uh, for the viewers is that you usually get first dibs on who you want to take. And there's this, I guess, you either you push the women's uh, to the side uh, or, you know what, it's 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 not that. It's not so much that, honestly. Uh, we, uh, we do want uh, more contributors for the women's division. So if you're listening to this uh, for the women's division, uh, please feel free to reach out. We want more contributors uh, for the women's division. Uh, and usually that's how we go about uh, creating the, the breakdown of the Tuesday-Thursday show. Uh, so definitely if you're listening and want uh, to be heard about the women's division, uh, definitely reach out to us. We uh, we do want some different voices uh, in the FPF community. Uh, but Mo, I told you, I told you, there's something special about this B's defense going up against Sub-Zero and Sarah Parker. Yes, they lost the game, but another 14-6 to scoreline. This is unheard of for Sarah Parker to be throwing only two touchdown passes in in a game. Only Easy Fun is the only other team this season to have done it. Uh, is is Bees a bad matchup for Sub-Zero and Sarah Parker if they were to meet in a one-game elimination playoff game? No, because the Bees can't score points. Um, they, they I watched the game from afar. I was on field three watching from field one where they were playing. But you're not going to score. like you're, not, you're scoring under 12 a game. Uh, you're not going to win football games if you're scoring under 12. I know you're two and three, and, and that's fantastic. But, you know, you're right. Sometimes matchups, being familiar with your opponent can play a factor. We're talking about Div 1, right, and why quarterbacks throw more INTs. But these guys, or these girls are a big part on the Bs. They know Sarah Parker. They know Sub-Zero because they've seen them play, right? They, they have an idea of what she, run, what she um, has from concept perspectives. But also you have to give props to the Bs coaching staff, too, for what they've built up, right, understanding where they have to be uh, on this situation. So I just think that, for for uh, for the bees, they're good, but they got to produce points because if they don't produce points, uh, eggs, they're gonna be one and done. And whether they play Sub Zero in the first round or whether they play Blue Poodle Le Bleu or whatever it is, they're not gonna keep up with the Joneses if they cannot produce more than twenty points a game. And Sub Zero has nearly tripled the total points for compared to what they've done so far this season. For sure, but when games are this close. The game of football can, you know, one tip pass, 
leading leads to an interception, maybe a pick six. Uh, yes, I agree that maybe the offense is not putting up the points, but Sophia Pursuti, 200 yards. Divide that by 45 yards of the field that they need to travel. They're traveling the field four and a half times. So, I mean, it's the same side, you know, that you can question it for Sarah Parker. She's definitely moving the ball 263 yards. That's like 5.8 times. So almost six dr uh, fields driven. But coming up, you know, coming up short four of those times and only scoring two touchdowns out of the six times that you were able to drive the field. When games are this close, it, one little mistake can change the tide. So, yes, they need to punch it in. But I'm not too worried about the offense per se, especially with Sophia Pursuti at the helm. I think Bs are a bad matchup for Sub-Zero. They know Sarah Parker's tendencies. They know what she likes to hit on third, fourth downs. And, 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 and that's something that's, to me, dangerous when it comes for Sub-Zero because I think they can take any other team quite handedly. And something about the Bs uh, is they, they have a little bit of trouble with. Uh, they have, you know, no, no, they have to score. Well, hold on, before we go to the next topic, they have to score more than 20 points in the game. But the defense is so It doesn't strong. matter. You guys score points. We're, we're not playing I, uh, Big Ten football here. I'm I'm all about the offense, and I know how often, how, you know, offensively driven the flag game is. But there's, I, I and trust me, I love the offenses. I love the points. But there's just something. Up, there's something about this this bees defense that pick up tendencies very quickly. Whether it's familiar quarterbacks or rather unfamiliar quarterbacks, and they love to take away and have offenses and opponents try to beat you another way. And not every quarterback is comfortable with that. And it's just I I have this bees team on my on my radar. As well, a, as they a got blue put and they got LeBlanc coming up next three weeks. Well, okay, yeah, agreed. Let's let's see. I, I I think those teams can score more than fourteen points. The question was ultimately: Is bees a bad matchup for Sub Zero? And I think I, I think they are. I don't think um, so. All right. Uh, in week eight, Mo, we got a, a battle of the blues: Le Bleu versus Bleu Pou. Uh, do we see perhaps the winner of this? Uh, game take a stranglehold uh, for the number two seed as Sub-Zero currently has a stronghold and strong arm on the, the number one seed. For now, yes. They'll play each other uh, early April. And um, so tiebreaker could be a factor on, on who gets the two and three spots at that point. But Le Bleu have a, have a tough schedule themselves, right? I mean, as I said before, they'll play the Bees coming up after this game against um, uh, Blue Put and Vortex. They should have the edge in that game. Brutes as well. But, you know, for Le Bleu, their, their final two games of the regular season is my biggest concern because they'll play Blue Put and, and Sub-Zero. But for now, whoever does, yes, they'll have the inside track for that. And I, I think Le Bleu now are starting to really really get back into their fluency and flow of their style of play that they've been, they lacked the week one against Sub-Zero back in January. I mean, they scored now 34-plus points or 34 points averaging the last few games. And if they continue on that clip, Iggs, um, I think Le Bleu are definitely going to be in that number two spot going towards uh, the month of March. Yep, I definitely agree. It's it's a team that I said last week. Watch out for Le Bleu. They're they're coming and they're they're coming in hot for sure. Uh, in women's two, Mo. Uh, oh yes, this is what I was talking about in reference to women's two. Why am I being brought down into this conversation? I don't understand. 
don't like know. I've been sucked into this conversation when You're you group me boat. to this whole debate of a particular team, which I've not talked about on on, on the Tuesday night show of calling the audible. Of the two win teams, Mo, you got yes. Linset, X and X, Wolfpack, uh, and Trappa. Um, can any of these teams or one of these teams uh, distinguish themselves nope. from the rest and make a push nope. to go up in the upper half of this division? No, they're 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 mid table teams. This is where they're going to be positioned. They will be maybe as high as nine. Right, if it really falls their way, but this is where they're going to be uh, in this range of of uh, 11, 12, 13, and fourteen. I think you you can kind of juggle it there and, and just pick one out of those four. Say, okay, you be thirteen, you be fourteen, you be fifteen, whatever. But I think that's they're seeing right now because I think you start to see a separation of teams. Right, Hibu, Hibu two, they lost Hibu two to uh, Red Nation. Uh, Cavaliers got uh, Wallops as well. Um, and kiss my kiss my booties, right? These are teams are now are starting to really play each other. In fact, um, this is where we're gonna kiss start my seeing... booties. It's kiss my boots. Whatever I call them booties, right? That's what it is. That's what it says on the screen. That's what I go with. <laughs> you know, Laurie will love that name, right? Um, yeah. But here's the thing, though, right? That top five that we have right now, um, mm-hmm. as this, as this label, right? Hibu, Hibu two, Cavaliers, Red Nation, and, and kiss my boots. It's going to change, right? Because Red Nation plays uh, Kiss My Boots next week, and they'll they'll play yeah. some of the more distinguished teams, and we'll, we'll have a better idea of where they are. Uh, Hibu and Hibu 2, the so-called two best teams, uh, they'll get to their challenges, right? And Hibu 2 had their challenge. They're 4-1 now. But I think in the top five is where I will see more of a shuffle of how it's going to be because how we see it today, by the time we hit April 10th, that will not be the same top five that we have. No, definitely not. But you don't you don't think just with three games played that Link set might be able to distinguish themselves? I mean, they look at the offense, the, the points for it from from the fourth seed all the way down to 16. Right. You have 91, 93, 96, 90, 102, 128, 98, 70. And then you have 77, but in three games. So everyone's in that 90 to 100 range, maybe even 80 and 60 points with four and five games played under their belts. And Link set 77 points in three games. Uh, you might be looking at one of the better offenses that just hasn't played enough games just yet. You don't think? Well, here's the thing, right? They, the only team that they have left is, is Hibu 2. Otherwise, every other team's below them or, or within the same avenue uh, on in the neighborhood that they're in. So they could run the table. For sure, they could run the table and end up right. uh, five, six wins, seven if it really goes their way. But in, in all honesty, I mean, how many games would they be favored in, right? Cheetahs, probably. X and X, probably uh, a flip a coin at that point. Uh, Hibu 2, it would be H2, that would be favorite. Drinkos, they should be favorite. Le Patriot, they should be favorite. And and Kiss My Boots, they should be underdogs, but you never know by then if It'll they're hot close. or not in terms of the win-loss record. So I think they can get three more wins. I think their cap is seven. But again, for, for this team here to take that next step here, they have to put together uh, a, a bigger display of, of body of work to say, yeah, they're in that conversation that can make a run uh, for women's two title in April. And then if you look at the uh, QB of the year discussion, as we hit the midway point of uh, the regular season in the FPF here, uh, do you what do you what do you see? And does anyone stand out to you? Uh, do you see maybe any late season pushes right now? There's no one that really is, uh, you know, 
far and away uh, in the lead in the discussion for quarterback of the year. What are your thoughts? Uh, what about Catherine Bolduc? You know, 60% passer uh, in this division, uh, 14 TDs, 5 INTs. Allison Sobel, she's put up some good numbers, right? 12 TDs, 1 INT. 12 to uh, 1 is the best, is that best ratio that I see right, right now. Right, you know, uh, the yard's a little bit, little bit lean in terms of the yard's uh, passing compared to others who've now hit 1,000 plus. Uh, this sure, season, but if you, but if you know, most of them have played five or six games at 150 yards, you're looking at 900. So she's right on average. Uh, just yeah, uh, hitting the clip perhaps, but I think, I think we'll know better in the next two weeks, three weeks for some of these quarterbacks that I've listed. And I think, you know, it goes back to that point about, Hey, can you put up points? Yeah. You got to put up points now, right? Like you, you want to be known as, as a, you know, a, you're going to get to this point of the season at the halfway point of the regular season campaign. You want to be known as being like the most violent team on offense. And what I mean by that is having a playbook, many of options that's going to say, we're going to beat you short. We're going to beat you long. We're going to beat you with every option. We have flood concepts, um, handoffs, whatever it is. You're not going to stop it. You're going to be, we're going to attack all your pressure points in the football field. These quarterbacks here have the ability to be the maestro of their offense to really establish that front. And I think what will come down to is this those key games that we listed, right, especially in the top five. If those quarterbacks want to win QB of the year, you got to beat the big hitters. And if you could do that in the next three, four weeks, there's no question whoever does that will win the quarterback of the year. All right. Uh, we'll move over to uh, our final division of the night, Mo. Uh, once again, thank you for saving the boat here. Yeah, uh, look, Jersey Shore he, starts up in an hour and a half, so I'm trying to get into that oh mode right God, now. The please. Jersey Shore guy, this guy. Uh, I'm watching it right here on, on the on the office oh, TV, okay. actually. Uh, lie down, you know, get yourself comfortable. What is? Let's go with uh, Mokan. Your your snack of choice that you're gonna usually want to uh, to indulge in as you watch your favorite show. Well, Iggy, since you've uh, disrupted my uh, supper plans, I usually eat supper around five thirty. Um, I've not eaten supper yet. I will though, and that's my food of choice. I'm my snack guy after eight o'clock, man. Like, uh, you know, we start to look good for the summertime here, eggs. It's it's almost March, man. We're, you know, we gotta look good, feel good over here. So, you know, we got a wedding, man, in early June. You know, we have a wedding to go to early June, not as a couple, but we're going to as a crew. <laughs> please uh, make us make it more ambiguous. Please. Is your wife coming uh, to the to the wedding? My wife, my God, this ambiguity now. Uh, my girlfriend. Uh, you know what? That's a good question because I have another uh, wedding to go to. Uh, destination. Well, it's not a destination wedding. Uh, it's in Mexico because my cousin lives in Mexico. So we're we're definitely going to that one together. Uh, and then I have another one in April. I have two in April and then one in what is it June? Eh? Uh, I don't think we'll uh, we'll have enough time. Uh, for uh, to take off uh, for for the third one. Hold on, hold on. she comes to the wedding in, uh, in June. That's what I just said. I don't think we'll be able to take enough time off because she would have to take time off because she lives in Toronto uh, for a third wedding. It's a day trip. Come in Saturday, leave Sunday. She works on Saturday. I'll take the day off then. And there you go. You see. I, but again, going back to my point, I don't think she'll be able to take enough days off, given that I have two other weddings. Uh, Mo Khan. I actually have three weddings this summer, man. It's crazy. Anyway, I have a long list. I have list three or four. Uh, yeah. We'll wrap up uh, the show here with Division yes. 5A. And I, again, like the women's division, I want to take a look at the influx of teams that are sitting at two and three. Uh, and 
do any of these teams, Rude Boys, Notorious CIG, Bandits, Vice City, or Thunder Buddies, who's has the most potential to pull off an upset against the higher seed? Um, I, I've seen a few of these teams. Vice City is a little bit inconsistent for my liking. Uh, Thunder Buddies are intriguing. Uh, they have a decent core group of players that, that we know very well. Terry Babylon club being one of them that we know very well. And he's got that, you know, 1980s baseball type of pitch with the throwing of his, of his, uh, mechanics. I would watch out for Thunder Buddies. I, I think, you know, they, they can make a run. Bandits, look, I, they think I hate them. I don't hate them. I just think that they're just not that good. I just don't think they have uh, the ability to be a, a consistent team here. They and you know they took out Vice City enough? a few a few weeks ago. They're not going to play for almost another like two more weeks here. And they get Hill Marty's coming out of the out of the, out of the jump and pass out Rabiat and Ducks. Those are three of the top tier teams. So we'll know after a month from now, Iggs, if if uh, Bandits are going to be a legitimate threat. I don't think they will be. Um, I think they'll be competitive. But I think reality is Thunder uh, but he's, is a team I'm circling to watch out for in the final five weeks of the season. Even after a fifty to twenty six loss to uh, sleeping all stars, yeah, I don't. You know, look, they they've had a tough schedule. Thunder Buddies, think about their losses. Okay, they, they lost the Ducks, and I I've been promoting the Ducks. Yeah, um, for a while, like they they're good. Like they are a good they are a good flag football team that's figuring it out. Okay, uh, they didn't play Rude Boys uh, because of the whole um, uh, cancellation at Hebert. And so they'll have that game to make up. Um, yes, they lost the Nighthawks. But here's the thing, though. If they can beat Thunder Buddies, Thunder Buddies if they can beat Vice City and Vultures, they're they're okay. I, I think they're they're going to get to four yeah. wins. I think they get to no, four wins. They'll be okay. But the question is, can they beat the higher seeds? Yeah, they can. can they... Yeah, I think they can. I, I, I think they can as well. Uh, and then notice their week three. Uh, do you think that's a score Gami? Uh, fifty-one to one. You think yeah, that's like you know, I, I'm my, my my you know Montreal radio great now North American great Gab Morenci. He was on Pat McAfee during the Super Bowl Friday, right? The last guest of the, of the Super Bowl week, and so Dan Patrick crashed the the set. Famous uh, American radio host, and he goes final score. Gabe, what's the odds of this? And he said something along the lines like. 25-23, right? That's what Dan Patrick said. And Marenzi said, that can never happen. The odds of that is, like, odd, right? Same thing with this, right? 51-50, what's the odds of that to happen in a flag football game? Like, if you put, a, a like, a fan duel number on that and you were to put down 20 bucks on whatever that odd, odds are, you could buy out FPF and own this for the rest of your life and be laughing because that 51-1 to scoreline will never, ever happen again in our lifetime in FPF. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I, I, I score kept that game. I'm like, what the hell am I? <laughs> this is definitely a scorigami. I've never seen this. This is a unique uh, thing that uh, I was I witnessed. Uh, in, interesting for sure. Um, if we go back to the standings, Mo here, yeah, and we look at the uh, the three teams that have only played three games. They're all sitting at two and one. The Sleeping All Stars, Rico Riders, and Hail Marty's. Uh, who's the best team? Out of those three, oh, Rico Riders are the best team uh, out of those teams. I think they've, uh, again, same thing, right? They've only played three games in the first uh, forty-eight days of FFPF. They got seven games to go. They got the West Island Habibis, which is their forever rival uh, from years past. They know each other very well. I think it'll come down to the last play uh, when they do play each other uh, because that game was was canceled. But then after that, 
you know, you got sleeping all-stars. You got in and out. I think this team with what they have built up here with Matthew Yannikoulias, he's a good quarterback who does things very well. They have a good receiving core with Justin Leonard uh, being the one of the top guys. Um, Greg as well is a very good receiver. Darren McDeezy know very well. And the defense is smart. They they can play well to their system strengths right now. So I think with so many games left on the schedule, which is now seven, they can run it here and they can get upwards to seven wins if it really falls their way uh, in their final seven games of the regular season, be five and two in that final seven. Well, we'll definitely find out because, uh, like you said, in week eight, they are playing the sleeping all-stars. So uh, with two of those three teams that I uh, that I just listed. Uh, Mo, if we uh, scooch on over uh, to the final division of the night, Division 5B, uh, and we look at the pass rushers, uh, as you yourself once were, uh, who's the best rusher in Division 5B? Well... As I get this thing loaded up here, because the you know the FPF website's always a little bit slow at times. Not now, but uh, it's always been slow. Look, hey, we've <laughs> improved the speed of the site. Come on, I hope better. it has. Look, okay, I I look at it now. Sean Graham has had a really good start. Seven and three, mm-hmm. seven sacks in three games. Yeah, uh, yeah, Libratti, uh, who plays with Shea Benny Express six through four. He's a good player. No one really talks about. Um, but the guy that I, I look at that can really make a big influence in this in this process is Yannick Graham uh, from Green Monsters. I, I think at six right now, he's on pace for 12. He could be the one to watch out for for Green Monster and how they can build it up towards their, their, their run over here because it's a good deep roster they have right now with Green Monster. And I think with that defense, if he can get a few more sacks, that can really open up things for this defense to really, you know, cheat a little bit and kind of, you know, test out the quarterback's arm because Graham can really make an influence on how he rushes the quarterback going towards the final five. For sure. And and you look at the seven tackles, he's one of the, the team's leader in tackles. He's sitting at third, right? So that shows definitely his hustle after uh, a quarterback escapes his pressure. He's definitely, you know, picking up a tackle, you know, could be for one or two uh, yards downfield instead of 13 or 14. Um, and then to close uh, close it out here, Mo for uh, for the night, uh, we're gonna we played this last week. Uh, we're looking to play it again. Uh, the Stardom Sidum Cutum Edition, uh, two way. Oh, yes, the Iggy Magnet Special. Yeah, you know it. Uh, I'm looking at the best two way players in the division. Uh, are we looking at Jesse Duminiel, Marcus Lynch, and William Sabag? I need you to start someone, sit someone, and cut someone for two-way player in Division 5B. Oh, I'm starting um, Will Sabag. I think he's a dude, man. He is a legit dude on this team. This guy, he don't care who's in front of him, man. It could be God. He'll he'll beat the crap out of God to get that touchdown. <laughs> okay, um, sure. <laughs> I'm serious. Like this, this dude, He's a dude, man. We saw oh, yeah, it in, in the finals, right, of um, – yep. Which finals did we do with with him and Brossard? Diesel tier four. Was that Brossard? It was Brossard, yes. Right, yeah, it was Saturday night. Yeah, it was Saturday night in Brossard. I I forgot. I I thought because we did Hebert the following day. I forgot about that. We did, yes. Like the the guy changes games, man. And and Marcus Lynch, I would. And Marcus Lynch is a hell of a player. He's going to Concordia next year. Congrats to him. Um, I would bench him, but he he'd be up his ass uh, of Sabag right to get playing time. And I'll cut the other guy. But I, I you're, think Sabag... You're cutting, you're cutting the other guy, Jesse Duminier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Lynch... Oof. 
because no one like you know we, we I know they I know the boys at Windy's thing we rag on them and we did you know because they were not that great but then I think was it with us had, had this conversation I think it was where they played like eight games in 29 days and it, yeah, they were sort yeah, of in playoff yeah. mode because they were kind of like straggling yeah. along and kind of you know not hibernating but they didn't really get going and it, finally yeah. put together got hot at the right time and they ran the table yeah. and won right so yeah. this is the team now with with Sabag and Lynch man like who do you throw to you can't throw to these guys because they're gonna kill you and then. You think about Sabag as a quarterback, he'll kill you with his ingenuity that he has. So I think he's the guy I start, and Lynch is the guy that I bench, but I think he gets playing time. Okay. I I I see your arguments, but there's just something about Jesse Dominiel, such a smart player, and I think that gives him the, the, the slight edge. He's just as, you know, may, may not be – as athletic as the Marcus Lynch's, right? But he's right on that notch below. Uh, so definitely, he's a player that I've had an eye out for. Definitely one of the better two-way, uh, all, you know, all three. Uh, and it was done on purpose, of course. These are three of the best two-way players in Division 5B. Uh, but I would start Jesse Dominiel. I do like uh, what uh, William Sabag has done at the quarterback position. But I would have to uh, start, uh, sit Marcus Lynch and and cut uh, William Sabag. Uh, but of course, you know you're 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 pulling hairs uh, 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 on this exercise here. Um, Mokan, thank you uh, for saving the show. Uh, as literally, usual. as you were you were taking your own breath away to start uh, the show. You were taking my breath away uh, as I was trying to, you know, uh, buy s some 20 minutes worth of, of time today on, on all the shows. But thank you uh, once again, Mo Khan, uh, for joining us here. Uh, and then again, just to uh, reiterate some of the, the introduction points here, take a look at the playoff schedule as it, as it is now available for everyone's viewing and booking it in the calendars. Again, just a little asterisk on that uh, as Mo uh, presented in the the part one of week eight's calling the audible that you know we we will notify if ever some of those playoff dates do change we will notify the teams that are affected but you can otherwise uh, book those in your calendar uh, and then of course uh, you need that, those five games for playoff eligibility and Mo I brought it up as an early warning uh, just to get it out there from now on, but that a forfeit loss or a forfeit, if you do not show up to your last game of the season, that automatically removes you from playoff contention. Oh, so, yeah. Again, I know it's you know, we're, we're in late uh, stages of February here and the playoffs are like mid-April or so. Uh, but I just wanted to get that that notice out there so that if you're making plans now that you definitely do not want to be forfeiting and not showing up to your last game uh, of the season. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you don't want to do that. I mean, uh, it could really, really put this whole upside down of the playoff schedule that we have. So this show up, play your game out, and see what happens and, and go from there because – people pay to play guys like think about it man you, you pay to play like why would you want to waste money and then on top of that everyone knows right if if you don't if you know show you're you're fined yeah. you're fined 100 bucks 150 whatever it is right so it's you, costing you yeah twice. it's costing even more money so this this go out play and even if even if you don't have enough guys just show up to the field hey look if you know you if you know you're not going to playoffs show up 
play the game, pick some guys out. Yeah, it'll be a forfeit, but just play the game, guys. That's what everyone wants to do, it, and especially for playoff spots going towards the final six, seven weeks of the season. Magic words, please. Uh, but before we do that, um, oh. I sent you and, and our Lord and Savior, Rob Cabana. Uh, oh, yes. The email. A, a, form, a format, yes. Format. Check it out. A, a format. Yep. Well detailed, by the way. That's why it took me a little bit longer. I said, uh, I asked you what time am I on? And I'm like, okay, let me get this crap all set up for you guys to read up and broken down step by step. I think it's going to work. I think it's going to bring excitement. I think it's going to be fun. It's the spot to be. The MoCon playoff format. Stay tuned for that. It's going to come out. Magic words. Good night. I don't know. Oh. NBA All-Star game.